Well, hello, ladies, gentlemen, everyone listening in. Thanks for tuning into this new podcast. I don't want to go around with the usual introductions and usual babbling, so let's get right into the show. Today, I want to talk about the uh, the war in Ukraine. I want to focus on it from an interesting. Well, I hope you would find it interesting, anyway. Uh, perspective, because it's one of those situations that. I think as you understand at this point, if you follow the news, it is covered extensively. And it is covered with every point of view imaginable. Uh, Here in the West, of course, it's covered with a pro-Ukrainian perspective. In other parts of the world, it might have a more pro-Russian approach. In my broadcast, which uh, I promoted in the last show, I will promote it again in this one. I try to do impartial reporting. And again, it's very well received, but I just try to analyze the situation, give a daily update, and talk about it as it's going on, and report the situation, hopefully in its truest form, without Uh, any sort of spin or bias, etc. And uh, I broadcast the show worldwide. It goes out online. It's reaching a lot of people. And, of course, I encourage you to tune in. So I'm going to give a little bit of a promotion for that first. But secondly, with the war in Ukraine, like I said, there's so much coverage, and you're hearing many, many similar takes and and what have you. And I'm not going to sit here today and reiterate the same things that you either A, could hear on my broadcast or on other media outlets. So I want to focus on an aspect of this that is actually getting more coverage than I thought it would, but it's something that I could actually talk about and will, uh, and that's the radio aspect of this, because there is a lot to discuss there. So we're going to talk about that, and uh, that's going to be it for the show. It's not going to be the longest one, because uh, I just don't want this to be some drawn-out program that's going to take, what, a week to edit and all of that. So I'm opting for shorter programs that at least then I'll be able to get these out quicker instead of wasting hours and hours and hours and... uh, you know, the long ones, they'll be back, but they're time-consuming, and I'm not going to pretend that they aren't. So, when you're under... When, when you really want to get something out in a timely manner, those long shows aren't the way to go about it. Hence the shorter programs. So anyway, first and foremost, just something that I wanted to... Um, a little bit of an update, I guess, is, is what I'm trying to say. If you want to listen to my coverage of the war in Ukraine and just my radio show in general, uh, there is an update. If you want to tune in today, that's Thursday the 10th, tomorrow, that's Friday the 11th, or Saturday the 12th of March, you could tune in on shortwave at 58.50 kilohertz. That's 5.850 megahertz. 
at the time of 9 p.m. Eastern, that's 8 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Mountain, 6 p.m. Pacific. Starting on Sunday the 13th of March, on Sunday, and for every broadcast after Sunday, the show is moving one hour later. So, for the next three days, that's tonight, Friday, and Saturday, you could listen on 5850 kHz on the shortwave at 9 p.m. Eastern. On Sunday the 13th, and then Thursday the 17th, Friday the 18th, Saturday the 19th, Sunday the 20th, etc., 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 for months and months and months, you will then be able to hear the broadcast on 58, 50 kilohertz, same station, same frequency, at 10 p.m. Eastern. So the main schedule, after these next three days, starting on and after Sunday the 13th, 5850 kilohertz at 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Mountain, 7 p.m. Pacific. I'm not even going to waste the time to explain why this time change happens. I had to do that back in uh, November. Just understand, I don't like it. I don't want to make this change, but it's out of my hands. So I just, all I could do is just go along with it and uh, let all of you know that this is happening. So just remember, my broadcast, you could hear it every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday evening on 5850 kHz shortwave. Starting Sunday and after that day, indefinitely, it'll be heard at 10 p.m. Eastern. Before that, this Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, it's at 9 p.m., but then it's moving one hour later. If that's too tough to, uh, you know, if it's a bit confusing, uh, it's in the description of this podcast. Just take a look, and uh, the schedule will be there in writing. The Tuesday broadcast that I do on 15770 kilohertz starting this Tuesday the 15th, will be heard at 4 p.m. Eastern. So that's 4 p.m. Eastern on 15770 kilohertz every Tuesday. So really, I'm doing shows every Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So five days a week. I'm there at the microphone, and uh, for the first 20 to 30 minutes, I dedicate in every show to giving an unbiased and impartial news roundup of the war in Ukraine. I give military developments. I talk about Western reactions and all sorts of uh, events that have happened in the news. And I just try to cover it as best I can. And uh, again, so far, it has gotten very, very good um, feedback. And the listeners that it is reaching, which are many, seem to enjoy it. And that's more than I could ever ask for, and I'm I'm truly honored to be able to do this for all of you. So, the updated schedule is there in the description of this podcast, and I hope you could lend an ear. I hope you could tune in. If you don't have a radio, there's some online streams you could listen on as well. Those do not change. The time for that is going to be exactly the same. This is just for the shortwave airing. So all those tune-in streams are going to be at the exact same time. Nothing changes with that. And again, the links to that are below. If you want to support the show and you could listen on demand at any time, 
The airtime doesn't pay for itself, sadly. I wish it did. Um, so as a result, you could support the program at patreon.com slash the report of the week. And that way you can access all of the shows on demand and listen at your leisure. So there you have it. All right, that out of the way, because I didn't really want to talk about it, but I had to. And uh, it's always annoying. I have to give the same announcement every every time daylight saving time happens. It, just, it Look, it is just, it is what it is. I don't like it, but like I said, I could only go along with it and let all of you know that it's changing. That said, I was saying I wanted to focus on the war in Ukraine from a radio perspective because that's something that you don't hear much about in the, uh, in the mainstream news, I suppose and a few points I wanted to raise. As we know, the situation in Ukraine itself, regardless of what side you support here, the situation in much of the country is dire in terms of, of course, a humanitarian standpoint, but also in terms of infrastructure, lack thereof, being able to access news and information. And we know that in some of the cities, especially in Kiev, and also in the city of Kharkiv, uh, some of the radio and television infrastructure has been targeted and completely destroyed. And along with that, of course, there are major power outages across the country, lack of internet, again, local media may even be completely destroyed. And in some areas, such as Mariupol, in southeastern Ukraine, where the city is hell on earth, to put it lightly, you have hundreds of thousands of people there that are essentially cut off from the entire world. And then looking at the situation in Russia, where a lot of media is blocked at this point and inaccessible, And you also have some new censorship laws in Russia where you can be uh, sentenced even to prison uh, for spreading misinformation. So you have this increase of censorship over there. And with that, many radio stations, television stations, even websites and news organizations have shut down and have left Russia. So not only do you have, of course the lack of infrastructure in Ukraine, but you also have this massive decrease in media in Russia, again, with concerns of censorship and all of that. Now, if you if you listen to this show enough, right, you know that I talk about shortwave radio a lot, and We obviously know that it's 2022 and we have the internet and we have smartphones and social media and all of that, but you know that I am still adamant about international broadcasting, and I I always say that shortwave radio does have its advantages and benefits even in this day and age, one of which, of course, is its ability to be transmitted across great distances and the ability it has that it can be there 
when all other media is gone, be that during times of war or natural disaster or ways to circumvent censorship. Well, two of those things right now are ongoing in that part of the world. And one may reasonably ask then, is there an increase in international broadcasting to Russia and Ukraine? And fortunately, the answer that I have for you is yes. But at the same time, I have a bone to pick, admittedly, with our own government, the U.S. government, and I want to tell you about one of the most pitiful things I have seen, and what an embarrassment I think it is. And I hope when I mention that, you'll understand what I'm saying and can see how absolutely and utterly ridiculous it is. And it's one of those things that it's to the point where you would think that it's so stupid and so ridiculous that Russia should just go ahead and use this as not even propaganda, because it's true. They should go ahead and just run it. Because it, it, it makes this organization look so unbelievably inept. And it's got such an easy solution, they choose not to do it. So, I think it's just ridiculous. Anyway, you're going to hear a rant from me soon enough. But indeed, a lot of international broadcasting has picked up to Ukraine and Russia. And these are just a few things that I want to talk about, as well as some interesting things with shortwave radio as well, that I've noticed. Number one, international broadcasting, like I said, has really picked up. In Ukraine itself... Ukraine actually didn't really have many transmitters on the air before all of this happened. As a matter of fact, they shut down almost all of their AM uh, transmitters at the beginning of 2022. But as soon as the invasion began, uh, obviously it's a time of crisis, and the Ukrainian government realized that, and they essentially told their broadcasting service any transmitter that you have, if it works, then turn it on and put it on the air immediately. So sure enough, the day of the invasion uh, broadcasts airing Ukraine's national radio were heard across Ukraine on five different frequencies. On 549 kilohertz, 657 kilohertz, 810, 837, and 14 04 kilohertz on AM. And they've been on the air 24-7 with news and information in Ukrainian. Now, some of these frequencies subsequently are off the air because the transmitters have either been destroyed in the fighting or the electricity is cut off. But some of these transmitters are still going as we speak. The highest power broadcast was on 549 kilohertz with 400,000 watts of power. That went off the air on March 8th. That transmitter 
is located between Kherson and Mykolaiv, and there's heavy fighting going on in that area, so it's believed to have been destroyed, unfortunately. But even after the highest power transmitter went off the air, Ukraine was able to fire up another one that had been well off the air for, I mean, for years and years. Uh, This one is located near Odessa, so they popped up on 1278 kilohertz with uh, high power, about 100,000 watts of power. And some shortwave broadcasts uh, domestically and externally were fired up as well of Radio Ukraine, heard on 5010 kilohertz, 6140 kilohertz, and 6931 kilohertz on shortwave. So radio is certainly being heavily utilized domestically in Ukraine, and it seems like the policy is if there's any transmitter that's able to get on the air, they're putting it on the air, uh, which is good. That's the right thing to do. Use any infrastructure available to get the news out, because everything else is going down. So that's the right approach. It's a, it's a shame that some of those transmitters are taken off the air, but I'm glad that they weren't scrapped, like how many, how so many countries do, because I bet many people across Ukraine are awfully thankful that this transmission network is still there to provide continuous news uh, where people need it most. So that was good to see. Over in Poland, Radio Poland on long wave on 225 kilohertz is offering special programming in Ukrainian as well. Uh, That signal reaches some of Western Ukraine, so that was good to see. The BBC World Service, for the first time in 14 years, I think it was. Yeah, because they got rid of shortwave broadcasts to Europe in 2008. And for the first time in 14 years, they brought back shortwave broadcasts to Europe on 15.735 kilohertz and 58.75 kilohertz. And the broadcast on 15.735 uh, comes in quite clearly in eastern North America. Actually, it's the clearest frequency of theirs I've ever heard. As a matter of fact, it's on the air right now. Let's take a little listen. And that signal, that's with, I'll, I'll list the conditions where it's even coming in like that. That's just on a portable radio with no special antenna. I'm inside in the middle of a room here filled with electronics, and the microphone that I even use to record that produces horrible interference. That's why normally you don't even hear me listening to the radio on this podcast anymore because this microphone that I use uh, makes it unlistenable. There's just this, this awful interference it generates. As a matter of fact, I'll just show you an example of that, what it sounds like under any other condition, just any regular frequency. Um, sounds like this. Hear that high-pitched whining sound that's generated from the microphone. 
if I were to unplug the microphone, that would go away, but then, of course, you wouldn't be able to hear me. So that signal is clearly overcoming all of that. Uh, so it comes in crystal clear over here. And uh, they're clearly using some very powerful transmitters. And over in Eastern Europe, it's even clearer. And this decision by the BBC has been praised by many. As a matter of fact, would you believe that there is a story about their resumption of their shortwave service that was on the front cover of the New York Times, and uh, many other media outlets reported extensively on it, too. So that's a, a huge development, and I'm thankful that they understand the power that shortwave radio still has in situations like this. And they were very quick to go about this, too. As a matter of fact, only less than six hours after the invasion, they had those frequencies on the air. So they were quick to act, they understood the potential, and they wasted no time setting it up. Radio Austria International also understood that. They're a station that had one broadcast on the shortwave still, but they mostly left the airwaves back in uh, 2012, I think it was. But they're offering special coverage as well on 13730 kilohertz and 5990 kilohertz. And other stations across Europe are extensively providing coverage, such as Radio Romania International, Radio Slovakia International, Radio Prague, Radio Tirana, Radio Exterior de España, and uh, even international broadcasters such as China Radio International, The Voice of Turkey, are all extensively covering the war in their regularly scheduled broadcasts. So this is great to see that radio is being so heavily utilized uh, to provide news and information to the folks who need it most. And a round of applause of sorts to all those stations for making use of this this medium. Now, for those of you who are familiar with international broadcasting, and even those who aren't, are you noticing that there's one major country that I haven't mentioned here on this list, that I haven't even talked about their coverage their programming, or any of that. And that's the United States. Because if you notice, I haven't mentioned the Voice of America or Radio Free Europe in this at all. And the reason why I am not mentioning either of those broadcasts is because they're not doing a single thing. These organizations which receive hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars of taxpayer funding each year have done the bare minimum. And what coverage they are providing, they aren't even providing via radio. The Voice of America, for instance, has produced a special 30-minute program called Flashpoint Ukraine, 
which essentially does the same thing that I do in terms of a, a roundup, but obviously it, it reflects the views of the United States government. And that is for Ukraine, but it's only available as a podcast. And Radio Free Europe has essentially gotten rid of the radio part of its name. They're offering coverage in Russian only online. Now, that's fine and dandy. I mean, I don't mind utilizing the internet and social media and all of that. Of course, look at me. Look at what I do for a living. I'm a YouTuber, for God's sake. But at the same time, I think it's important to be in touch with the reality of the situation as well. Certainly, there's nothing wrong with using the internet, and I encourage them to do that. But why, why can't their existing online coverage be supplemented by traditional media as well. In Ukraine, for instance, I'm sure that there are some people in Western Ukraine, especially in the areas that haven't been as badly impacted, let's be honest, yet by this war, they may be able to access the programming online. But what about for everyone else in the country? In some of the major cities that are under continuous bombardment where that infrastructure just isn't there? If they even wanted to listen to the programming from Radio Free Europe and the Voice of America, they wouldn't be able to. There would be no way. If power is out and cell service is down, or if, let's say, they have their smartphone but no way to charge it, what good is listening to a daily podcast going to be? And listeners in Russia are no better off. The Voice of America's website is completely and totally blocked in every single way in Russia, and so is Radio Free Europe's website. All of their content is completely and totally censored, and both The Voice of America and Radio Free Europe refuse to acknowledge that as a reality. And the problem, I have a feeling that these entities at this point, that the people that this administration appointed to be in charge of these entities, I just have a feeling that they probably put in some people who maybe were from big tech or something to that extent, and just don't understand radio, that they just don't get it. And that's a problem that you see so often these days, that you have people that just understand digital media but they think that just because I use it, everyone else does and can as well. And that's just not true. That, that's just so far from the truth. And I feel like it's one of those situations, because what's their solution to this? When other broadcasters are picking up radio, what does the Voice of America and Radio Free Europe, what are they doing to be able to distribute news and information to the region? They said, well, just go listen online, listen on your phone. Well, I can't. I don't have the infrastructure to be able to listen to it on. Or it's completely censored. Well, we're going to publish instructions on how to download Tor and do that and access us that way. Now, that's fine and dandy, and I applaud them for that approach. But there's two problems that I have with that. Number one, and I don't want people to take this as some sort of disparaging remark, I just find it as the truth. I know from direct experience 
the average person is not computer savvy in any way, shape, or form. And you could take even the simplest of tasks and even put it on a neatly organized, bullet-pointed list. And there are going to be people, a lot of people, who are going to have problems with that. And I know that from direct experience, having tried to, to organize such a thing myself. It works with a couple people. A couple people get it. But there's a learning curve. And even for many, people might just say, well, that's easy. Yeah, it's no problem. Of course you could do that. It's not as easy for some. And uh, that's strikingly obvious. Secondly, that still does absolutely nothing for any of the folks in Ukraine who don't have any power to be able to use their computer or their smartphone or do any of this with. So for the folks there, that whole solution goes right out the window. And third, do you know where the instructions, these instructions that they told everyone that all their blocked websites and everything can now be accessed via Tor, and the URLs and everything that they gave, you know where they, where they provided that information? On Facebook and Twitter, which, oh yeah, both of those sites are blocked in Russia too. Other broadcasters get it. The BBC World Service, even if I don't see eye to eye with them on everything, they get it. They're doing all of the online stuff. They publish the same tour instructions because their websites and media got blocked in Russia too. But you know what? They're smart enough to realize that guess what? Not everyone is techni technically savvy. Not everyone has the infrastructure in place to be able to do this. So you know what? We're going to supplement our online presence with shortwave broadcasting. And that's why they propped up those two frequencies to serve not only those in Ukraine who desperately need it, but those across Russia as well. Radio Austria gets it. Radio Romania gets it. Radio Exterior de España gets it. Radio Ukraine gets it. But the VOA and Radio Free Europe just don't understand. They have this ignorance about them, and they're just thinking, well, I'm here in D.C., and I don't listen to the radio, I just use social media and consume all my content online, so so can everyone else. And there's so many people who are that way, and it's a problem. Now, here's the most pathetic thing. I support this initiative wholeheartedly. And I am going to fully endorse this. I'm going to tell you about this. I'm going to give the link to this in the description. And it's up to you what you want to do. You don't have to do a, a single thing but you better believe I am going to promote this. And while this initiative is awesome, for lack of a better word, the fact that it exists, the fact that it even has to exist, is one of the most pitiful and absolutely pathetic things I have seen. You could obviously tell that I have a problem with The Voice of America and Radio Free Europe, for their lack of consideration for this situation. Other people do too. Other people also put two and two together and realized this, isn't, this doesn't make any sense. 
other stations are doing this, why can't they? Well, someone discovered that all of the programming aired on Radio Free Europe and The Voice of America is public domain. That means it can be rebroadcast and retransmitted without any sort of issue. So you know what some people did? They said, well, fine. If the U.S. government refuses to air these programs on radio to Ukraine and Russia, they're public domain, they can be retransmitted, they can be rebroadcast. So you know what? Then forget it. If they're not going to do it, we're going to do it. So a crowdfunding effort has been launched to purchase airtime on high-power shortwave transmitters in the United States and in Europe. And the goal is to buy airtime and air the Voice of America's programming and Radio Free Europe's programming to Ukraine and Russia via shortwave because the organizations whom we fund with our tax dollars refuse to do it themselves. I want you to think about that for a minute. That these government agencies and their news coverage is going out to Ukraine right now because of a fundraising effort by private individuals. That the Voice of America and Radio Free Europe are back on the air because of donations. Does anyone else see the absurdity in that and how absolutely pathetic that is? Bless this initiative for doing this, but the fact that this is what it has come down to is absolutely insane. It's complete insanity. This initiative is the real deal, and I know that for a fact because I've already seen the results of this, and I, I've talked to the person running this, and indeed, even the first day, she was able to purchase some airtime and was able to get the VOA's broadcast, Flashpoint Ukraine, that 30-minute daily podcast, now on the air to Europe. So Flashpoint Ukraine, the VOA's special coverage, is now heard every afternoon on 15770 kilohertz via a 100-kilowatt transmitter that that hour of airtime was purchased from. And Radio Free Europe in Russian, for the first time in six years, is now back on the air every night on 7780 kilohertz, again on a 100-kilowatt transmitter, thanks to this fundraising effort. And more is on the way. They're going to be purchasing airtime from Europe-based transmitters. They're even going to get a uh, AM service going up to the region as well. And uh, this is the real deal. The results are immediate. They understand that the situation is essentially dire. They're not waiting for the entire goal to be met. They're just going to purchase whatever they can because this is, a, this is one of those things where every second counts. And as soon as I saw that, that these folks are the real deal, that they're actually going ahead with this, and that the VOA's coverage and Radio Free Europe's coverage is now back on shortwave, 
thanks to their efforts. You're damn right I donated. You better believe it. This is something that I truly and completely believe in. Because the results are immediate. And they are not dwaddling. As soon as the funding comes in, they're buying the airtime. They're getting VOA and Radio Free Europe back on the air where it should be. And they said, look, we're going to keep this going until either A, the situation improves, or B, the Voice of America and Radio Free Europe finally get their heads out of a place where the sun doesn't shine and utilizes their established network of transmitters in order to get these programs on the air the way they should be in the first place without having to utilize this donation-funded network. But for now, and I've been checking every single day, social media, frequency registrations, the VOA and Radio Free Europe websites, etc., they have done no such thing. And right now, this fundraising effort is literally the only reason why the Voice of America and Radio Free Europe are on the air right now, reaching listeners in Ukraine and Russia. So if you want to support this initiative, I'm not going to tell you what to do. Listen to what I said. Think about it. If you want to do something, do something. If you want to donate, donate. If you don't want to donate, but maybe just spread the word about it, you're welcome to do that on any social media platform you want. I think the more people that realize this, the better. But I'm going to tell you how. Number one, in the description of this podcast, you will find the link right there, front and center, to the fundraising page. Like I said, I have personal experience. I donated to this. I've even been listening to the broadcasts I've helped fund, so I know it's completely legitimate. And if you want to donate, again, the link is right there in the description. It's the first thing you see. Just click on it, and it'll take you to the page in question. But otherwise, you can go to fundraiser.com, that's F-U-N-D-R-A-Z-R dot com, that's F-U-N-D-R-A-Z-R dot com. On the upper right hand of the home page, you see a button that says search. You click on that, and you will see a little button on the right in blue. It says discover campaigns. So after you click on search, something will come up, and on the right it says discover campaigns. You click on that. And then, the button that says Find Campaigns, type in Shortwaves for Freedom. That's Shortwaves, one word, S-H-O-R-T-W-A-V-E-S, for Freedom. Shortwaves for Freedom. And that's how you can get to the page. If you don't want to do that, just go into Google and just type that in, Shortwaves for Freedom. And the first result that comes up is for fundraiser.com with the uh, page in question. They've been able, at least as of the time of this broadcast, been able to reach about $5,500. That's being put to good use. It's getting these stations back to the airwaves. They want to reach $10,000. And uh, every little bit helps. Because right now, at least in terms of information... They are doing more than our own government is. Knowledge is power, and I hope 
that a day will come where the VOA and Radio Free Europe will realize that and restore these services themselves to Russia and Eastern Europe. But in the meantime, this is the best we've got, and this is what we can do, because if they're not going to do it, then we could do it ourselves. So that's if you want to help, but I'm not telling you what to do. You don't have to. You could... <laughs> You could laugh in the face of this initiative if that's what you want to do. I mean, do it, do whatever you want. But this is my show, and you better believe I'm going to talk about it. But there you go. All right. In terms of other radio-related things and communications, this is interesting. Number one, Ukraine used to have two number stations. Both of their number stations went off the air the morning of the first day of the invasion. Was the facility destroyed, or did they preemptively shut down? Who can say? But it makes me wonder, was either the transmitting facility or the base that that number station was based out of in Ukraine was at one of the facilities that was targeted in that first wave of missile attacks from Russia. And maybe that's the case, so we will see. But uh, it's interesting that Ukraine's numbers station to get out messages to spies went down. Normally, their station is known for sending very short messages, just a couple numbers, and that's it. And the message is usually over in about a minute or two. But the final message ever sent from their number station featured, instead of the usual maybe five groups of uh, five-digit numbers, it featured close to 200 groups of five-digit numbers and was about a 10-minute long message. So obviously they had something to say, and... um, Maybe it was either a message to all the agents out there in the field, you know, as to continuity, or what. But uh, it was a very long message, and haven't been heard uh, since then. So it's just an interesting observation that they sent this really, really long message, and then they've been off the air since then. So who knows, but um, that was quite an interesting development there. One other thing that's interesting is the use of two-way communications on shortwave is extremely high, and interestingly, the Russian forces in Ukraine are using unencrypted two-way shortwave communications to deliver orders and messages and updates from the field. So if you actually want to listen to military transmissions from the Russian army, completely unencrypted, you can hear them on a shortwave radio, and you could listen to the forces in Ukraine um, talking to various units and uh, all of that. It's insane. I've never seen something like that. Now, some people were making fun of Russia for using shortwave radio. I'm not going to make fun of them for that. Even the U.S. still uses shortwave radio, for instance, with the Air Force in some ways. 
it just surprises me that the communications are uh, unencrypted because a lot of the U.S. actually still uses it. The U.S. Navy does, the Air Force does, many government agencies do, but it's just all encrypted, so people can't eavesdrop, whereas the Russian military is using it totally unencrypted. If you could speak Russian, you could understand it, and you could hear all the call signs of various units talking to each other, again, giving updates, you name it. It's just surreal. Now, their schedules aren't completely understood, and they use a lot of frequencies because there's a lot of personnel involved, but it's uh, it's just crazy. As a matter of fact, the night before the invasion, I didn't realize this at the time because I still thought that it wasn't going to happen, but I picked up one of those frequencies and it was all these different units checking in before they were going to go into Ukraine. They were testing out their equipment and all of that, which is, it's just, it's insane. I recorded a little bit of it. I'll play it for you right now. And then the other day, I picked up a frequency uh, of the Russian communications, and they were being jammed by some sort of outside entity. I'm not sure if it was just, if it was another government jamming them, or if it was uh, maybe some sort of amateur radio or pirate station, but someone was trying to jam them with this, like, white noise. But um, the audio isn't going to be the best, because I've done this before, but I, I hope you find it mildly interesting, perhaps. But here goes. T- take a listen. This is the one that I recorded a couple hours before the invasion. And again, these are the different units talking to each other. And, you know, it goes on and on. It was just non-stop. And uh, then this other one was recorded a couple days into it where it was being uh, jammed. And you'll hear them trying to talk with this, like, this white noise coming over it. So take a listen to this. This is this now is as the, the, the invasion is ongoing. You could hear that whooshing sound, that's that jamming. We'll skip around.
and uh, just some crazy stuff there, but you could still listen into the communications. Uh, you know, the frequencies change a bit, but it uh, it makes for some severe listening. You could hear all the different Russian units talking to each other, and uh, sometimes people will come and, and try to jam the uh, communications and all of this sorts of stuff. It's just a, uh, it's a surreal listen, I'll tell you that. So, um... There's that, and it's just quite interesting to see the extremely high utilization of radio uh, in this conflict, which, again, doesn't surprise me, but it's still, nevertheless, um, it's just crazy to see. Anyway, that's all that I wanted to talk about today. I just wanted to cover the, uh, the conflict uh, from an interesting perspective, from the radio side of things, something that I feel at least competent about that I could uh, comfortably discuss and um, provide perhaps a little bit of perspective on how various uh, nations are doing their part or lack thereof or how some individuals are doing their part to get coverage into Ukraine and Russia and um, how some of the militaries are even using shortwave. So I hope that made an interesting listen. Feedback is welcome to V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. Hope you could listen into the radio show. Remember, it's moving one hour later, starting on Sunday evening. That's all that I have for you. Thank you for listening, and uh, we'll be back with another show soon. Until then, this is V-O-R-W.